to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Kate Rasalosa, and I am tonight's co-host, a junior from Yokohama, Japan, studying mathematics education and an RA in Weinstein Hall. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you come from Japan. How you know? How was that transition eventually coming to NYU for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really challenging but exciting transition. I mean, I went to an American school, so I already had this idea of coming to college in the States. But yeah, I mean, I am loving it here so far. I love my classes, the professors, the friends that I've made. That's great. Tell me a little bit about math and math Mm -hmm. education. What made you Mm -hmm. want to study math and then be a teacher someday? So I was inspired by my fourth grade teacher. I just loved how she was so caring for all her students, how she uh, included everyone in the classroom. And math has been my strong subject um, in school, and so I wanted to continue that passion into my classroom. But after coming here at NYU, I found, I think, a a more insightful goal, I think. And now my goal is just to make math accessible to all students, students from different backgrounds in a diverse community. That's fantastic. Talking about diverse communities, what is the residence hall experience for you in Weinstein? Pretty mm-hmm. diverse? Yes, it is very diverse. It's very lively, too. What's been the, the most exciting moment for you so far in terms of what you've experienced in Weinstein? Mm -hmm. I think one of the most exciting moments is when I'm working at the Resource Center because it really is a social hub. I am meeting not just my floor residents, but residents from other floors and also different dorms. I'm seeing student ambassadors taking in admission groups. Yeah, and the dining halls you have exactly. there. <laughs> Chick-fil-A at its yes, finest. Yes. Uh, well, tonight we also have another educator as mm-hmm. our guest. Who's tonight's guest? Our guest is Megan Lowe, who served as an RA in Goddard Hall for Adriana Gurham during the 2004 to 2006 academic years. Welcome, Megan, and thank you for joining us tonight. It's a real pleasure having you on. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) How are you and where are you? I'm doing great. I am currently living in San Diego, married with two boys. Congratulations. Thank you. It is great to have you, Megan. Tell us a little bit about your time here at Washington Square. Uh, What did you study while you were here as a student? I studied early childhood and special education. I was in the dual certification program. Were you involved in any extracurricular activities? You know, I was very into music. I actually started at NYU in music education and then transferred over into early childhood education. But I played the trumpet and I was very active in the pep band. I played for basketball games and different things like that. And then I also was very involved with my church at the time over there and was part of like several youth groups that met weekly you know, with other students who also attended that church. Well, it's clear you found your communities at NYU. What made you want to transition into the RA position? So my first two years at NYU were pretty hard. I came from a very small town in Connecticut, 
And honestly, it was one of the first times I really was away from home for an extended period of time. And I didn't have a close community when I first started at NYU. So when I heard about the possibility of becoming an RA, I found it very exciting to think about being able to help freshmen, um, you know, who were new to the school and who might not be able to find their way as easily. Like I was just really excited about that possibility of being that person for them. And what kind of relationships did you have with your residents? So I was sort of thinking back about it in preparation for this interview. And, you know, they really, I think, saw me as this mentor. They used to call me like the, the, the dorm mom or whatever. And, you know, I was their friend, like I would spend time with them, but they also would come to me and seek out advice or ask questions. So it was, you know, sort of a nice bridge of a relationship between I was like a peer, but I also had a few years under my belt and could give them some of that guidance. Megan, you were at the early stages of the residential college at Goddard. What did that mean for you, if you can remember back that time, with the streams, the theme floors that we had, and the kind of student that it attracted for you while you were there? I was really excited to be a part of that. So I was on the themed floor that was all centered around music. And all of my residents who were there were either studying music, studying music education. They played musical instruments. And I'll never forget the first day when everybody came on campus and everyone checked in. I had been downstairs in the lobby getting to know everyone. And when I came up to my floor, the the entire, like, the entire student, all the students that were on my floor were sitting around in the hallway, basically having like a jam session with all their instruments. That's so cool. And that continued throughout the entire year with those kids. I mean, they went and saw concerts together. They formed bands together. You know, I'd often find them in their, in their dorm rooms playing music or listening to music. And so it really was like this amazing way that it connected students right from, you know, entering onto campus. Wow, that sounds like a very lively community. Yeah, um, it was awesome. Did you get to play your instrument as well? I did at the beginning, but by that point, I had sort of moved out of playing as much as I, you know, kind of immersed myself into education. But occasionally they would get me to bring okay. out my trumpet and play with them. <laughs> very cool. Is there anything that surprised you about being an RA? I think, as I said before, the biggest thing that surprised me was really how much they came to me to, like, seek advice or to run questions by me. Or I had so many students come to me and, you know, would sit and express difficulties they were having with their Mm -hmm. programs or with friends or even with their families. And I don't know if I was as prepared for that as I thought, but it was definitely something that when I especially, like, reflect back, it really surprised me that they felt comfortable enough to me that they would, you know, want to share so much of themselves. When we when I started the podcast, it was really thinking about how did that alums took the skills they gained and, and use them in their current roles. What skills have you gained, did you gain from the RA role that you utilize now in your roles? Yeah, well, ironically, um, you know, as being an assistant principal in a school, I now manage and relate with a lot of different personalities. So, you know, as an RA, I think you learn how to develop some of those interpersonal skills. You learn how to connect with people when it's appropriate to share things about your own life, when you need to listen, when you need to have 
you know, hard conversations with people. There were also many situations where I had to make decisions very quickly, either because of a health issue or if somebody just needed a timely decision to make. And I think all of those skills have been very helpful for me in my career, not only as a teacher, but also as an administrator now. As a future educator, these are some of the things that I also often think about a lot. And I'm also trying to form my own teaching philosophy and how to incorporate what I learn in my RA role into my future um, profession. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, I mean, I guess, how is it working with your students' parents? It can be challenging at times. You know, I think that parents have their best interests for their child involved always. But as an administrator, my job is to make decisions that benefit all students and in in the entire school site. And sometimes those decisions don't always make everybody happy. And I think Mm -hmm. that can be very difficult. But, you know, I would say my advice towards that would just be to always keep in mind, like putting students first and that when you make a decision that you know is in the best interest of students, then, you know, you have to be okay with that and know that you did the right thing, even if sometimes the families that you're working with are not as supportive as you'd like them to be. Megan, what got you interested in education? It sounded like music was really your love, uh, and then you moved into the education realm. Maybe you can talk us through that process. You know, I always knew I wanted to be in education ever since I was a little kid. Um, I was definitely one of those people who had my stuffed animals out and my chalkboard and would teach them math problems. But I also in high school developed this, you know, very strong passion for music. And so I felt like, you know, that would be a really nice way to bridge the two of them. And then when I got to NYU in the music education program, there was just a lot of focus on some of the like theory and music history. And those parts I found I really wasn't as passionate about. And so over the summer after my freshman year, I had the opportunity to travel down to Brazil with a nonprofit group. And I worked at an all boy orphanage and I taught English there and I mainly was teaching English to young, young children. And I loved it. And, you know, it kind of, it kind of sparked this, this passion in me that was beyond how it had been with music. So when I came back, I felt like, you know, it was time to just make that switch. So could you take us through your career journey? Sure. So when I graduated NYU, I got a job at a public school, PS11 in Chelsea, and I taught first grade in a gifted and talented class there for five years. And then in 2011, I moved out to San Diego and got a job teaching fifth grade in a school that actually uses the same curriculum that my school out in New York did. So it was a really nice switch for me. And I was teaching fifth grade for eight years. And then there was a change of leadership in my school. And so I applied to be the assistant principal. And so I was an interim assistant principal last year for about six months. And then this year became fully the K-8 assistant principal for the district. Congratulations. Great move. Thank you. Well, let's talk first about the teaching piece. What were some of the hardest things to do as a teacher? Oh, 
I think some of the hardest things to do is you just feel this need to do everything really, really well. You know, you have to learn all the curriculum that the students are expected to do. You have to communicate well with all the families. You have to teach into those social emotional pieces, maintain behavior, have consequences, kind of all of the gamut of everything that comes in education. And I think those are those are challenges for any teacher so many different parts to manage that the first few years when you move into the career or even if you switch grades it takes some time to feel really comfortable with that age group and you know the content that you're teaching them and how best they're going to understand those concepts yeah i can also relate to that um i'm currently student teaching at a high school in the lower east side of manhattan and i'm starting to really see how teaching it is such an important profession but there's so many challenges to it so Mm -hmm. I'm curious what are some of what are some joyful moments or I guess what are some of the joys working in your role as a teacher or as an administrator or both um both I think so as a teacher I would say that when students understand like understand something that it doesn't always happen that day that you've taught it or even you know several days later but when a student comes up to you at some point and all of a sudden says oh now I understand what you mean by adding fractions with unlike denominators Mm. you you get this really great sense of accomplishment that you've done something so I think those are joyful moments and even I've had so many students come back to me from high school and say gosh I remembered this part about fifth grade or I had such a you know an aha moment when you Mm -hmm. taught me this and I think you know knowing that at the time it doesn't always feel like you're doing everything you could be but that in the kids world you know you are making a big difference And I would say as an administrator, it's similar, just on a bigger scale. I feel the most joy or the most successful when I give somebody a strategy or a piece of advice, and then I see that strategy, you know, being implemented in their classroom, or a teacher comes back and says, hey, this worked really well with my student, you know, thanks. So like, just kind of seeing seeing the outcome of some of the decisions that you make and some of the relationships that you have like those are some of the most rewarding and joyful parts of the job what made you transition into the principalship because that's a big transition from being in the classroom to now helping teachers uh yeah (laughs) to deliver education I think, you know, I, I feel very passionate about education. I always have. And I think as I taught over the years, I just started to realize that as a teacher, you have a lot of control over the students in your classroom. You know, you have a lot of ability to change, you know, what's happening in those 20 students' lives. But I always felt this desire to have sort of a bigger a bigger you know, influence. And I felt like being becoming an administrator, you know, I would be able to oversee teachers and give them advice and give them tips and kind of be their sounding board, in addition to making decisions that might benefit like the entire school and student body. So I was sort of just excited to take everything that I had learned in education and then be able to influence those around me within a school. So Megan, based on your experience, what do you think makes a good principal? 
Well, I think it's really important to have strong relationships within the school. You know, I think to be a good principal, you have to always be an instructional leader first. So to me, that looks like spending several hours a day within classrooms to understand, you know, what is happening? What are the trends that I'm noticing across grade levels or across the school? Then to be able to like provide professional development or give teachers, you know, tips or work with teams to be able to change some type of practice within their teaching. So that's kind of what it looks like, I think, first and foremost. But then, you know, that relationship piece, as I was mentioning, is important because you need your teachers to feel like you're approachable and you're fair and you're consistent and that you will follow through with everything that you say. So those are sort of like some of the goals that I have for myself and some of the leaders that I have had in my past, like those are some of the characteristics that stick out to me the most about what makes someone a, you know, a strong principal. Do do you have to be a teacher first to be a good principal or can you just do some education training and be an administrator and then go into the principalship? Yeah, that's a great question. In my opinion, every principal should be a classroom teacher for a significant period of time. And I feel pretty strongly about that because I feel like as an administrator, you're giving advice and you're asking your teachers to do things. And if you haven't been in the classroom, you know, you don't have that same perspective as to if you're asking too much or if it's an unfair request or if it is going to make a difference where I feel like you know, I'm very close to teaching or being out of the classroom right now. So it's easy for me to relate um, to teachers and what they're going through and how much work there is to it and how much planning these lessons take and, you know, the parent communication. And I think that you don't know those things unless you have actively been in the classroom yourself. Yeah, so you mentioned that an important part of your principalship role is to recognize the trends among not just teachers but also among students in different grade levels and among the parents. So I'm curious what are some of the issues facing um, elementary or middle school today? I think one of the biggest issues that is facing kids today is technology. Um, I think both technology is a really amazing tool but I also think it is a challenge. You know, I think teachers have to be prepared on how to teach students how to use technology efficiently. They need to teach them the purpose of it, but they also need to really teach students that it doesn't replace face-to-face interactions that we need to have with other classmates and that it can be a place where issues like social media, you know, bullying or things like that really come up and can be very difficult for students to deal with. So I think that has been, you know, over my time in education, one of the biggest changes that I've seen in terms of what students kind of have to deal with on a very daily basis. So I would say that's probably one of them. I'd be interested to know about the mental health of students at that age bracket that you work with, and also the area of diversity and inclusion and equity, two areas that we in the college level put a lot of time into training staff uh, to really mm-hmm. be prepared. And again, I wonder where that fits in the elementary uh, middle school area. 
Yeah, you know, that's a really great question, too. You know, I think, so we are a K-8 school. Our middle school is significantly smaller than our elementary school, and I would say the majority of kind of social-emotional issues that come up do happen in middle school, and a lot of it has to do with how included they feel by their peers or if... You know, people have been talking meanly about them or what's been going on in their family lives. So we've had so many conversations at the elementary school level about what can we be doing within the classroom to help build up, you know, some of those like problem solving strategies or conflict resolution or how to build confidence and empathy within our kids so that it really gives them a foundation, you know, as they get older. But it is definitely something that I think across the board, you know, all schools everywhere are really struggling with how to make sure that we're teaching our students enough enough of the skills to be successful within that social emotional world as they get older. That's great to hear that you're actually thinking about that and have some strategies that you're employing at the school. So important. Yeah. So, Megan, what advice would you provide to undergrads looking to become a teacher and possibly eventually a principal in elementary and middle school? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially going into if you were ever interested in administration, my advice would be start early on in your career. I think one of the best things that I did as a teacher is that I often took on a lot of leadership roles in both of the school sites that I worked at. So whether that was, you know, being a team leader for my grade level or signing up to be on committees, you know, or just participating in in meetings or in staff things that, you know, could eventually give me some more insight into being a principal. And I think, you know, having a variety of grade levels, it's scary to change grade levels and it can be a lot of work. But I think in the big picture, if you are interested in pursuing administration, that can be extremely helpful for your career. And then my other advice would be to talk to administrators. I think everybody has a different story. Everyone has a different perspective as to how they run their school. And the more that you can reach out to people who are currently living it, you know, and that home work-life balance is a struggle in the administration world. So I think getting just as much feedback and advice as you can from, you know, other administrators could be really helpful for anyone who's thinking about it. Um, you know, for the future. You, you just raised a great question in terms of work-life balance. You said you have some children, you're married. That's that's a lot, and it's especially a lot. in a new role. <laughs> yes. How are you doing it all? I have a wonderful husband who is also actually in education. He teaches high school. But he is very supportive of my job and, you know, does a lot of our kid kind of pick up and drop off and managing of some of those things and I do I wake up really early and I go to bed late and I do a lot of work on the you know hours when the kids aren't aren't awake so that when they are home and when I am home I can really just fully be with them but it's definitely a struggle and I think any educator I think feels like this where the job doesn't end when the bell rings you know you take it home with you you think about that kid who didn't get that lesson or that student that was crying that day And I have that just as much, you know, whether I'm thinking about students or I'm thinking about curriculum or I'm thinking about teachers. And so I think just, you know, it it takes work to, to kind of shut down for a little bit and then really focus on your family. 
you know, and then to know you actually are going to have to go back to it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Megan, do you have any books or newspapers, podcasts, etc., that you would recommend to students who want to be teachers and principals? You know, I don't listen to anything regularly about education. I really love TED Talks, and so if I'm struggling with a concept or I'm trying to bring something into my school, you know, I, I always look there usually first because I find there's a lot of really inspiring TED Talks about education and about student learning. You know, when I read a variety of different articles, I really like The Atlantic. They have some really great educational articles that feel very, you know, current and up to date. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, Edutopia is another really great website that sometimes just has very practical articles posted for teachers. And then I do a lot of social emotional learning articles, but not necessarily from one, you know, particular site. Megan, what are you most proud of uh, in your career to date? Well, um, one of the things that my school struggled with that I struggled with over my time as a teacher was that we had a very inconsistent discipline protocol in terms of what behaviors should be handled in the classroom, when it should, you know, be sent to the principal, what the consequence was. And so last year I started working with my staff to sort of create a tiered approach to behavior. And we sort of spent the entire year working together as a staff, like coming up with what appropriate um, consequences would be, what are some of the reoccurring behaviors that we see. And then this year I really fully implemented the protocol um, and have made it very consistent for the entire school. And it's been working really, really well and have gotten a ton of feedback from teachers who just say it's the first time they feel like there's been a consistent, you know, discipline practice in place for student behavior. So I think that's one of mine. Great work, great work. Okay, so Megan, now we're going to go into the speed round of questions. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite tradition, or what was your favorite tradition at NYU? Ah, tradition. I don't know if I have a favorite tradition. That's okay. <laughs> you had a lot, hopefully. Did you go abroad while you were away, while you were here I at NYU? I did not go abroad, and I regret it immensely. Hmm. What is the best dining hall? Uh, so there, and I don't remember the name of it, but there used to be a sandwich shop like a few blocks away from where Goddard was. And it was the best sandwich shop I think I've, I had ever been to. And you could use your NYU card there, but you could get sandwiches made to order. It's, I don't remember the name. It's not there. And I know which one you're talking about. It was really, really good. <laughs> yes. Uh, your favorite NYU professor? Faye Bowie, who was actually an adjunct professor at the time, but she was a teacher who worked at the school where I eventually got hired. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the best professors because she gave us very, very tangible real life issues and, you know, sort of things that were happening within a school system that she gave us like a lot of experience and practice with. And it felt I still take so much of what she taught me in her classes in my job today. Did you meet any celebrities as an NYU student? <laughs> I don't think so, but I do want to say I, I ran into Ethan Hawke at the gym. There you go. There you go. That's pretty famous. Any Broadway show you attended while you were a student here? I saw Wicked, I saw The Lion King, and I saw Miss Saigon. Wow. You did a lot. I know. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? 
So every month we had a bulletin board in our in our hallway and I would change the bulletin board every month to represent, I don't know, whatever was happening either in the school or seasonal. Um, and one year during December I did, I had cards up for every single student and the idea was that people would go by and they would write little anonymous messages about those students to one another. And I had no idea how it was going to go or if it was too cheesy or if it was, you know, totally going to backfire in my face. But it was amazing. I mean, the messages that kids wrote to each other were just so kind and respectful and everyone got to take their card home. And, you know, I still have mine, actually, that the kids wrote to me when I was there. So it really made a big impact on myself. And I think that it had a big impact and it was really a unifying experience for for our floor. Megan, thank you so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the dream school alumni version life. Megan, thank you so much. And I think one of the the lessons I learned is really what you shared, making things personal and making people matter. And so thank you for sharing that message in all of your journey with us tonight. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Special thanks to my engineer, Colin McRae, and to the current professional staff and the alums like Adriana of NYU, who assisted these great alum RAs and skill acquisition along their way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, go to whattheyreading.blogspot.com or our website for NYU RA alums. Until next time, learning is fundamental. So chart your path with the right lessons to begin your day and teach it to others. Take care.